Scripture reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 4, verse 20. That's Mark 4, 20, and this is the NIV version. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Before I lead a prayer, I would ask for us all to just take a deep breath, relax, and remember what we're here for. Sometimes we get into a rush, and this has to be done, this has to be done. We don't want to do that. We're here to worship God. We're here to thank him for his son who died on that cross. And so at this time, I ask you just to bow, focus on Jesus on that cross, thanking God for everything we have. And then I'll lead a prayer, if you would, please. Father, we're so thankful that you have been able to give us this opportunity to come together, to fellowship together, but mainly to worship you, to throw our minds and our heart and our whole being into focusing on one thing, and that's your plan of salvation that you set in motion by giving your son on that cross. As we worship today, we pray, Father, that we focus on that main thing, that because of his blood, our souls can be returned back to you like you gave them to us in a manner that is pleasing to you and grateful to you, for everything that you've given to us. We think of the physical blessings you've given to us, and yes, we are appreciative. Let us always show that gratitude in whatever we do. And let us be bold as as sowing the seed. Let us go out and do exactly what you told us to do, exactly what you came here for, to seek and save the lost. You gave us that pleasure, that responsibility, As you left, as your son left, he told us to go make disciples, be disciples, and you'll be with us the whole way. Let us be bold as we go outside these doors and go out and tell others exactly what's in our heart. As Andy comes to us today talking about sowing the seed, let's let's remember that. Let us help to do what we possibly can to help others see the only way for happiness on this earth to be with you in heaven is to follow everything we do in word or deed we do it all in the name of your son Jesus to your glory thank you for the opportunity we have to sing songs of praise to you that we have this opportunity to partake in the Lord's Supper always remembering the precious gift that he gave when Jesus when you died on that cross you gave your body and you gave your blood so that we could be happy. Let us, let us always remember that as we go about our daily walk, let us be in that prayerful attitude of thanksgiving, always appreciating everything. As we have assembled together as a family, let us always remember this blessing that we have to help each other, to edify each other, to get to know each other better, 
And it's all focusing on you and your son dying on that cross. We pray that you'll forgive us of the things that we do wrong and always help us to do right. Be good examples to each other, loving each other, working together for one cause. And that's the cause of bringing as many as we can to you. Give you the glory. Thank you so much for this time that we have to talk to you. It's such a blessing and such a help for us in our everyday walk of life that we can talk to you and thank you. We love you and we love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us so much and listening to our hearts as we pray and talk to you and sing to you. Forgive us of the things we do wrong and always help us to do right and be in a prayerful attitude constantly. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Number 800, 800, Zion's Call. We'll sing verses 1 and 3. Zion's call sweetly rings over land and sea, bidding us look to realms above. While the light from the throne shines for you and me. (coughs) Zion's call is ringing, coming from the cometh from above as we labor and wait we must all be true let us list to the call of love Zion's call is ringing coming from the throne next song is number 833, 800-833, ring out the message. If you would please stand while we sing. (coughs) There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad, ring it out, ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it up. <coughs> Ring it up. <coughs> Ring up the word or land and sea. Still far from Jesus, many live in sin. Ring up. <clears throat> Ring up. 
Out to sweep away till shall dawn the better day. Ring it out, ring it out, till the sinful world be won for Jehovah's mighty Son. Ring it out, ring it out. <clears throat> Merely ring, speed it away. Message divine. Send it today. Let it cheer the lost and those in doubt, darkness and doubt. Oh, the news that makes men free to all the lost of every nation. Ring the Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Glad that we can be here together to worship God. I do want to make note of yesterday we had a, uh, a wedding here and we want to make sure that we rejoice and celebrate with uh, Nikki and Blaine who were uh, married here yesterday. We're excited for them. Of course, they're not here today, uh, but their parents are. Nikki's parents are anyway. So make sure that you congratulate them. Always good to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. This morning we're continuing a series that we're going to do on Sundays this summer talking about who is this Lord that we love. Who is it uh, that we worship, that we follow, that is uh, the person that we have dedicated our lives to. And we'll be in Mark chapter 4 this morning. Mark chapter 4. If you, have your, uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, we certainly would encourage you to turn along with us. Mark chapter 4. If you don't have it on your phone or anything like that, there are some black Bibles in the pew in front of you. And Mark chapter 4 starts on page 839, just to make it easy for you. Uh, 839 in the black pew Bible right in front of you. Who is... This Lord we love. We want to ask this question because certainly many of us here, most of us here, have dedicated our lives to being followers of Jesus, and we are thankful for that. We're excited about that. We want to be, I believe, you are here this morning because you want to be a good, faithful follower of Jesus. But who is this Lord? Who is this man that we have, uh, as Christians, given up everything else Uh, turned away from everything else and dedicated our lives to following this man. Now, we believe that he's more than a man. We believe that he's the resurrected son of God, and we want to be people who are his followers. So we want to look at this morning uh, one of the times when he's teaching and learn about uh, not only his teaching, but learn what can we learn about this Lord that we love from this passage that we're going to talk about this morning. In Mark chapter 4, he has been, uh, as we talked about last week, he's been teaching various people, various places, traveling around from place to place, and now large crowds have began to follow him. And and here's, I want to set the stage for you a little bit. If you look in the first couple of verses in Mark chapter 4, you'll you'll see this. Uh, But he begins teaching again, and he's by the sea. And a large crowd is pressing in around him. And already in, in other passages you're probably familiar with, Jesus has commanded his uh, disciples, his, his apostles, his followers that are there with him and, and helping him, hey, make sure there's a boat ready. 
just in case the, the crowd gets too, too close. And that seems to be what happens here. And so he gets into a boat and he lets off a little bit into the water and he's teaching from a distance so that his voice will carry across the water to this large crowd of people. So just try to picture this in your mind. Jesus there standing on a boat, probably with a couple of his apostles or disciples there in the boat with him, making sure the boat doesn't uh, tip over. He, he may likely, as was the practice during the first century, for the teachers to sit down and all the crowd was standing on the shore listening to him and the water allowed his voice to travel to them in a a good way so that many people could hear him even though he did not have a a microphone or anything like that and here in mark chapter 4 we read the story or the parable of the sower so here's my guess at what might have happened Jesus is teaching and preaching. He says already in the first couple of verses of Mark chapter 4, doesn't tell us any details on what he's talking about. His message seemed to be like John the Baptist's message, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's, re- he's warning people, he's telling people, he's encouraging people, hey, this kingdom that you've been waiting for for so long, it's finally here and it's time to get ready for it. It's time for you to be a part of this kingdom. And here's what I think happens. Before he begins the parable of the sower. I think that probably in the, around this large crowd, they're probably in something that's like fertile farmland. And there's probably simply a sower who comes out. And Jesus probably points to or looks at or points them in the direction of, hey, a sower went out to sow. And they turn around and they say, oh yeah, there's, there's a sower. And he begins to tell this parable in Mark chapter 4. Let's start in verse 3. He says, listen to this. Again, getting their attention, grabbing them, and probably perhaps in that moment pointing to the sower that maybe he sees. Behold, the sower went out to sow. As he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it out, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and, there, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded crop of a produce uh, 30 and 60 and 100 fold. And he said these things, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus teaches oftentimes in parables and again most of us are probably very familiar with what a parable is but let's remind ourselves or let you know if you don't know what a parable is a parable is is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning Jesus is taking the opportunity whether or not there's there's literally in this moment in Mark chapter 4 there's a there's a sower out there everyone who was there in that crowd that day they knew what a sower was so he's using something that they're all extremely familiar with And that they know exactly what he's talking about and he's going to make a spiritual application. But notice, in his teaching, all he does is tell them what they already know. All he does is tell them what they already know. There's a sower who comes out and he spreads seed. Uh, Now, we we may talk about this a little bit more in in a a few minutes, but uh, the idea of a a sower here is much different than, than someone who plants a garden some of you have raised bed gardens. Some of you are, are, are farmers. You know, we've got three uh, elders who are farmers. And when they start talking about farming, I start falling asleep. Uh, no, it's not. I don't fall asleep. I just don't know what they're talking about. Uh, but, but we understand the idea of, uh, of having 
uh, of planting crops. And, and you, you go down the road through the country and you see uh, crops of corn. And how are they planted? Well, they're in very straight lines and very specific ways. And they're equal distance apart. Uh, I've seen recently over the last several years people who have uh, micro farms, they call them. These would be people who would live in cities, but perhaps they have some sort of balcony. And they even have these, these, uh, these robot machines that you, you hardly have to do anything. You just make sure the robot's got everything it needs. You push a button and it'll go down and it'll put this little thing and it'll spread the soil out and it'll plant the seed in there and cover it back up and it will water it for you and it will uh, maintain the proper temperature of this, uh, this little crop that's happening. All of these, these these things that that's that's not sowing that's very specific and trying to increase the efficiency and all those things and maybe there's there's benefit to that but a sower isn't concerned listen a sower is not concerned about efficiency a sower is concerned about sowing so a sower would be a, a man or a woman who would have a a large bag on his hip or her hip and he would go and she would go and grab it and just throw it out Take a few steps, grab it, throw it out. Grab it and throw it out. Now certainly they would be wanting to have these crops grown in a, a, a general area, but they weren't concerned about if some of the seed accidentally fell on the road. They weren't concerned if some of the seed accidentally fell where the rocky soil was. They weren't concerned about if some of the seed accidentally fell where there were already some, some thorns and some weeds they were striving and they, they wanted the seed to fall on good seed, but they weren't concerned if it didn't. The sower went out to sow because that's what a sower does. A sower is not a planter. A sower is not a person who is worried about efficiency. A sower is someone who's worried about sowing. So the parable is in those verses. Turn over to a little bit further into it to verse 13. Now again, we, we say that this, uh, this is a story they're all familiar with, but Jesus doesn't explain the, the heavenly meaning. He just teaches it. So there's this large crowd of people, hundreds, perhaps thousands of people. Jesus is on the boat. He tells them this parable, and he provides no explanation. If you were there that day, you would be just as confused, not only as the people who heard Jesus for the first time were, but also his apostles and his disciples were confused. And they come to him and say, Jesus, we don't get... And he's a little frustrated by that because he's going to use parables a lot, but he takes the time to provide them with the point. And this morning, I want us to think about two things as we think about uh, this familiar story to many of us. We've talked about the parable. We've talked about the earthly story. We're going to look at the heavenly meaning. We're going to make a couple points. One pretty simple and pretty straightforward that we've already talked about a little bit. And then the second one I want us to look at it, not necessarily from a perspective of a, of a, a sower, but I want you to look at the pew that you're sitting on. Again, most of us here have, have been in this, uh, this specific auditorium a number of times or maybe another church auditorium and most church auditoriums have some sort of pew and I want you to think about your relationship with the pew what does the pew mean to you let's think about that this morning as we look at the explanation Jesus provides in verses 13 and following of this parable of the sower and Jesus said to them, those who had asked, what are you talking about, Jesus? Tell me some more. Explain this a little bit more to me. And he says, do you not understand this parable? 
how will you understand all the parables? He says, guys, I'm going to be teaching to you in this way. You need to start thinking more spiritually. I think Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, set your mind on things above. That's what he's telling them here. Hey, I'm going to be telling you some parables. I'm going to be telling you some stories with some, some earthly stories, but I want you to think about heavenly meanings. Brothers and sisters, we need to look at our lives not just from an earthly perspective, maybe not even primarily from an earthly perspective, but from a spiritual perspective. What are the things that happen to us, the things that occur in our lives? How do those things affect us spiritually? How do those things affect us, uh, affect other people spiritually? What can we learn from these things uh, spiritually? In verse 13, again, he says, here's point number one, the sower sows the word. Earlier in Mark chapter four, he says, the sower went out to sow. And then he says, the sower sows the word. This is for those of us who are Christians. Really, both, both points are probably for us who are Christians this morning. We think about the parable of the sower and the songs have been, have been great. And, and normally we think about the parable of the sower from an evangelistic point of view. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not really going to be our focus this morning. I want you to think about the sower goes out to sow. You, Christian, are a sower of God's word. We know Jesus, before he left the earth, he tells those who are gathered with him uh, that he, they need to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Well, you are a part of that now. And your job is to be a sower of the word. And let me remind you, the sower goes out to sow. Why? Because that's what a sower does. When's the last time you talked to someone about Jesus who's not a Christian? The sower went out to sow. Christians talk about their Lord. Followers of Jesus spread the good news to everyone. You've heard these, these points probably before, but let's remind ourselves that the sower is not a soil inspector. The sower was not concerned. He did not, he did not make sure, okay, well, I can only spread this much seed because that's rocky soil over there and I can't spread it into the rocky soil. Oh, the, the road's over here, so I'm, I'm not going to get too close to the road because I don't want to waste any of my seed. It's so precious. It's such a good thing. Oh, well, th- there's the, you know, the birds over, or might get it over here. No, the sower just grabbed the message, grabbed the word, grabbed the seed, grabbed the good news as Christians and slung it out there. That's our job. Our job as Christians is to let everyone and anyone know about our Lord. Who is this Lord we love? Well, how much do we love him? And are we telling other people about this Lord that we love? Point number one and a reminder to us, a challenge to us today is when's the last time you talked to someone about Jesus, this Lord that we claim to love? Not necessarily saying, well, that that person's a good prospect. I think that person would listen to the message That's not your job. Now, can soil be cultivated? Can soil be cleaned up? Can soil uh, be be worked on so that it it could become good soil that might produce something? Certainly, we should do that if we have opportunity with people we have relationships with. But our job primarily is not that. Our job is to spread the message, is to spread the word of God. Notice what it goes on to say. Now, he's going to be talking about, again, uh, the different types of soil. But this morning, we're not talking about people out there. I'm talking about you. You are one of these types of soil this morning. Which one are you? And we'll talk about it in a relationship to our relationship with the pew. Verse 15. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. 
And when they hear it, immediately Satan comes and takes it away, the word which has been sown in them. Now, if I'm thinking about my relationship with the pew, these are the ones who, who probably don't make it to the pew or don't make it to the pew very often. Uh, but but let's, let's remind ourselves, this verse reminds us about the, 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 the enemy that we have. We're going out and we're spreading the seed. We're spreading the, uh, the, the, the word of God, but Satan is against us. And there are some people, and maybe even you today, who are not ready to accept God's word yet. Doesn't mean they won't be ready later. Doesn't mean they, they haven't been ready in the past, but maybe we're just not getting them at the right moment and, and they just totally reject. They're, they're not interested at all in what we have to say. Guess what? It's still our job to spread the gospel to that person in hopes that maybe one day they will be ready. But these people here, they, they don't make it to the pew. Let's notice next in verse 16. In a similar way, there are those who the one, are, are the ones who the so, seed was sown in the rocky places. And when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy and they have no firm root in them but only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. Well, these would be folks that you have known. Maybe in sometimes in the past, you've been these folks. These are people who make it to the pew, but they don't stay in the pew for very long. Their commitment to God is, is limited. Notice that they receive the word with joy. Now, joy is something that we need to, we need, we should have as Christians, but notice they did not have any firm root. They didn't have a foundation. Perhaps they did not have the word of God implanted in their hearts. They didn't make sure that they knew what God said and how he wants us to live and understand the things that he's done for us. Listen, sometimes I think that we go one of two ways. Lots of people, particularly perhaps in our fellowship, uh, stress the importance of the Word of God. And is the Word of God important? Amen. It is. Absolutely. Uh, but, but folks who, who stress that to an extreme, what do they leave behind? They leave behind any kind of emotion whatsoever. And without emotion, there's no attachment to this God that we say we follow. There must be some sort of emotional attachment to this God that we say we follow. We Love him, and that's why we keep his commandments. That was even Jesus' command, right? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then we have other folks that, that we may know, and, and maybe we've even struggled with this at some point, who, who go the op- other opposite extreme, and they're so emotional that they leave behind the word of God. That seems to be what's happening to these folks here. They receive it with great joy. They're, they're emotionally invested. They're excited about it, but then they don't take the time to learn about it and to understand it and to apply it in their lives. And because of that, when difficulty comes, because of the word, because of their faith, they walk away. They turn away. They don't stay very long in the pews. Verse 18. Verses 18 and 19 and then verse 20. These are probably the ones that relate to the most of us who are here uh, and, and not in a good way. Verses 18 and 19. So I want you to think about this. Which, which one of these are you? Which, which one have you been? You're, you're probably not the first one because you've made it to the pews. Uh, you've, you've accepted the word. You've become a Christian. Uh, some of us, even here today, uh, might be those who have received it with great joy. We've had a, quite a, n- a number of people who've been baptized recently and become Christians, and we praise God for that. Uh, but we need to understand that, that that's just the beginning, right? Being baptized, committing your life to Christ is just the beginning of this lifelong of service to following God. So we need to make sure that we follow him and understand what he has us to do. But verses 18 and 19 could be some people sitting here today. It could be you or someone sitting right beside you. And others 
are those on whom the seed falls, who have so, who was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. These are the folks who stay in the pews. They've been in the pews for decades. And they're here today. But the worries and the cares and the desires of the world have caused them to be unfruitful. They're still, the, the plant's still there. The Christian is still there. The person is still there. But that's all they are, is there. They stay in the pews. They're here every Sunday. Every Sunday night. Every Wednesday. Every Bible class. They're there. But because of the worries and the cares and the concerns of the world, they become unfruitful. I can tell by your faces that you don't want to be that person. I can tell by your faces that perhaps sometimes we've all been that person. That we're here but we're not really doing what we know we ought to be doing. And then in verse 20, And those are the ones in whom the the seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it, and bear fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. Let me suggest to you that these are the people who leave the pews. These are the people who who come here on Sundays, and they come here on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, they, they gather with the church in order to be encouraged and to, and to worship God and to be spurred on to love and good deeds, but they, they don't leave their faith here. No, they go back out into the world and they take their basket of seed with them, and they're spreading it out there. Can, can I suggest to you, I may have mentioned this before, but, and this isn't exactly on point, but I want to encourage you to, to understand something I think about worship. You know, worship is something that, that it's a privilege for us to come together and to, to worship God. It's a privilege for us. Every time we gather together to worship God, we're entering into the throne room of God and we are offering up our sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips in song and in prayer and in listening to the word. We're listening to what he has to say to us. Worship is a beautiful thing. It's a commanded thing. But, but worship is, is needed. If we really want to, if we really believe Hebrews 10.25, don't forsake the assembly It's not about being here every time the doors are open. That's not not forsaking the assembly. If we want to not forsake the assembly, then we've got to get up out of these pews and leave this place and live the life that God has called us to live. And I'm just as bad at it as you are sometimes. But we've got to leave this place, get out of this building, go out to the lost people who are out there, let our light shine to them, be persecuted for it, go through difficulty, and still keep doing it. And then you know what? If we do that, if I do that, if you do that, you will desperately need to be here. And you will be happy to come together with God's people to worship Him. Sometimes we don't get anything out of worship because we haven't put anything out into the world. And we don't need this because we haven't done anything there. And again, I'm right there with you sometimes. If we will live the life, simply live the life that God has called us to live, spreading the seed, spreading the seed, spreading the seed. You know what? Some people won't like that. We'll lose some relationships. We'll have some struggles. 
We'll have some opposition. Because you know what? Satan doesn't want us to succeed. So if we're living the life that we really need to be living, we will have a desperate need to be here. And it won't just be a checking of the box. It won't just be a, hey, how you doing? Shaking your hands and walking out the door. It will be, I need you to help me be who God wants me to be. This morning, what's the pew mean to you? I wanted to be a little bit like Larry, our speaker from a few weeks, and walk up and down the pews, but I'm not going to do that. What's the pew mean to you? That pew that you're sitting on right now, what's it mean to you? Is it just a place you sit comfortably while you come together to worship God with people who think like you and act like you generally and look like you generally? Or does it represent a place that you desperately need to come to because you've been out into the world this week striving to spread the gospel? The sower goes out to sow. What if there was a sower who who went out and didn't sow? It's not a very good sower, is it? Kind of worthless. What about the Christian that doesn't spread the word of God? Not a very good Christian, is it? Kind of worthless. Jesus warns time and time again that the tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. A sower who doesn't sow, it's a waste. We've got the message, the saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to share it with the world around us. I want to challenge you, brothers and sisters, to do that. Be, be that sower. And then think about this morning, what soil are you? Are you the soil that's like the ones who never make it to the pew? Probably not. Are you the, the one who, who's, who's in the pew for a little while, but, but you're already thinking about how you can get out of this commitment that you made to Jesus? Are you one who's been committed to Jesus for decades and decades and decades and never brought anybody to Christ? Now listen. I don't think that bringing people to Christ is the only fruit that Christians produce. Scripture teaches us there is a fruit of the Spirit that has nothing to do necessarily with converting people to Jesus. But that is the point of the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? For us to live a life in such a way where people see our good works and glorify God. And maybe you have never converted anyone, but when's the last time you tried? Are you going to get up this afternoon... In just a few minutes, when we say our final closing prayer and we greet one another and we spend time with one another and we encourage one another, and then you're going to go outside these walls and share the gospel with lost people at your job and in your family and in your community. That's what we're supposed to do. Whether you do it or not, that's up to you. You can do whatever you want to do, but you can't do whatever you want to do and go to heaven. Mark tells us in Mark chapter 4 that the sower goes out to, to sow. Tells us in Mark chapter 4 also that the, they sow the, the word of God. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 16 it says that faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of Christ. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 tells us that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. In Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 it says that if you believe with your heart... That God, that God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, and if you're willing to confess him as your Lord with your mouth, then you can be saved. 
tells us later that if we'll call on the name of the Lord, we will not be disappointed in Romans chapter 10. And in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, it tells us how do we call on the name of the Lord? Well, that's in baptism. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we want you to be a Christian. Way more importantly, God wants you to be his follower. He loved you so much, he sent his son to die for you. If you believe that he's the resurrected son of God, if you'll name him as your Lord, meaning you'll strive to do your best to live the way he wants you to live, then you can be baptized into Christ where all of your sins are washed away and you can be saved from your sins. If you're interested in that, we want to talk to you about that, study with you about that. Brothers and sisters, all of us today are going to respond to God's invitation. Every single one of us today will respond to God's invitation. His invitation to leave everything else, to deny yourself, to pick up your cross, and to follow him. What will your answer be? If you have any needs, if you need any encouragement, if you're interested in studying God's word more, we want to be here for you. We invite you to come as we stand and sing.